Welcome to ACDHR in conversation on political prisoners in the UAE. We hope that through this series, you will get a better understanding of the human rights situation in the UAE, which will cover freedom of expression, political prisoners, and the grossly unfair mass UAE 94 trial that imprisoned dozens of activists solely for exercising their rights to freedom and association. Our speakers will help us to reveal the truth about human rights violations in the UAE, given their personal experience and expertise on the subject. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the ACDHR in Conversation podcast. This is our second interview with Ines Osman, a human rights lawyer and the co-founder and director of Men Rights Group, a Geneva-based legal advocacy NGO promoting fundamental rights and freedoms in the Middle East and North Africa region. Thank you, Ines, for joining us again. Thank you, Alina. I'm excited to continue this conversation. Today, we'll discuss the role of non-governmental organizations and the international community in tackling human rights issues in the United Arab Emirates. I would like to start by saying that uh, when I ask people what they think about the UAE, they usually answer that it seems to be a modern, glamorous, tempting, and very pleasant destination worth visiting and spending a great time in. This country is well known for its super ultra modern cities, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, which are associated with luxurious lifestyles, attractive tourist destinations, and everyone looks so happy being there. So my question is, at a time when everything looks so glitz, glamour and amid the perceived political stability and welfare, why should we care about the UAE and its human rights record? That's a very good and very difficult question at the same time. Uh, I guess it's it's a sort of personal, but also collective choice. If you go to a place, what do you choose to look at? And we could take other examples. Um, if you go to China, you know, to for tourism, do you would you actually seek to educate yourself uh, about the human rights situation there? Or if you go to Cuba or, you know, like we could, this question could actually apply to, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the travels or places where we've, we've all been. And I mean, personally, of course, the answer is yes, we, we should care about their human rights record, but clearly not everybody does. But I feel like it's also, yeah, a sort of collective responsibility to care about what other people and other countries are going through, just like it should be our collective responsibility to care about the environment and the planet. Like for me, it's kind of on the same, on the same level. And I, I don't really, I don't necessarily understand how people go to a place and kind of selectively choose to look at only the good things when clearly there is also some some bad aspects and i think the the question of migrant workers is kind of the one that best illustrates that is okay you you know you only want to see this super fancy mall uh, where you can ski inside but who actually has built this 
and at what cost is you know the ski station maintained etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think it's um it's a personal but also kind of collective responsibility that i would hope more people would uh, would take in your opinion what exactly needs to happen so that people start caring about human rights issues and what's happening in other countries that's a difficult question i feel like it's also a matter of kind of moral standards in a way and i do get that in the case of the the case of the uae is a bit peculiar because unlike some some other countries i'm i mean just to take a country in the region if we compare it to saudi arabia for example i feel like there is a little bit more awareness on the human rights situation there because obviously people have heard of um you know the situation of women in saudi etc like there is some sort of common knowledge about the situation there but that's really not the case for the for the UAE for most people when you say UAE they're like oh Dubai I would love to go to the Atlantis to swim with dolphins and you know that's kind of all they all they see but yeah again I feel like it's it's the responsibility of everyone to to educate ourselves on on a certain country where where we would like to go but I also think that the motivation for the UAE should also be that in my opinion people are not exactly people who travel to the UAE they're not exactly aware of what they risk and there is a really a whole lot of very grim stories of foreign nationals who have gone to Dubai for the holidays and ended up being arrested for you know um whatever like drug related offenses even if these were not true or in the context of business disputes like sometimes you have businessmen traveling to dubai and and they end up um entangled in the middle of a business dispute and they end up in prison and then they're like oh wait but the judiciary is independent oh wait how come that i can't see a lawyer or how come that i'm being abused in prison so i think if it comes down to one motivation i would say that people are also taking risk by traveling to dubai even just for you know tourist or business reasons and they should really they need to educate themselves actually learn about the system before they go because they could end up um trapped there thank you very much for explaining this apart from self education it should be noted that the ngos play an important role in drawing the attention of world public opinion to human rights issues all over the world when it comes to the uae what has already been done so far maybe you can recall any positive impacts and contributions of the ngos coalition in promoting and protecting human rights in the uae um first of all just to give a bit of context there's no like proper let's say independent human rights organizations in the UAE nor any human rights activist that is not in prison in the UAE so i feel like the responsibility on um you know civil society in in a, in a broad sense ngos abroad is even bigger because actually we have to speak up for those who can't like there is no one on the ground to actually raise those issues so in a way we're kind of the the last resort and we're the only ones who are in a position to speak up because we are based abroad and we're not um or we're taking less risk let's say that um than if we were if we were on the ground 
But there's been very positive actions um, taken in the past. Obviously, uh, right now there is the, the Dubai Expo uh, that's going to be ongoing, I believe, until um, March of next year for quite some time. But there's been an NGO coalition uh, actually using um, this event to shed light on, human, on the human rights situation in the UAE and saying like, well, under the, the glamour of the Dubai Expo, uh, actually there's many, uh, many more issues. Um, but there's been like other past actions that have been very positive. There was a, a literature festival last year that was held and uh, there were actually some, some people who decided to pull out or decided to still attend, but raise, for example, the case of uh, Ahmed Mansour, etc. So there's been, there's been some positive um, actions. We would obviously hope to, to see more, but um, yes, there is definitely some, some active um, civil society out there and we just need to continue pushing. While answering the previous question, you mentioned the Alternative Human Rights Expo, a campaign launched by the Gulf Center for Human Rights and its partners, including ACDHR and Mena Rights Group. The main goal of the campaign is to highlight the repression still happening in the country and to counter the narrative of tolerance and openness that the UAE is trying to uphold at the Dubai Expo. What do you think uh, about this initiative and do you think it can somehow affect the human rights situation in the UAE and in particular the situation with political prisoners? It's hard to say if it can really positively um, affect the situation of, of political prisoners or improve the human rights situation in the UAE, but I think that's that's a question we in the human rights um, field, you know, we, we kind of ask ourselves every day, like, is what is what we do useful? Does it produce results? Are we having impact? But I think we need to look at it from the other way around, which is what is the alternative? The alternative is to do nothing. And that's not an option. So I believe that it's important, even if, even if maybe prisoners of conscience are not going to be released as a result, but it's still important to, to push and, as you said, counter this narrative and make people understand what, what the UAE's human rights record is like. And I believe that in the long term, it's also going to make it more and more difficult um, for the UAE to you know, hold such events, or maybe countries are going to think twice uh, because they're going to be like, oh, but if we decide to do this in the UAE, then there is going to be another campaign by NGOs, and do we want that bad publicity? So I think it's important to continue um, such actions. In this context, I believe it's important to mention the campaign you're about to launch against the UAE candidacy for the presidency of Interpol. Can you tell us more about it? Yes. Um, so just to sum up very briefly, but Ahmed Al-Raisi, um, who is a minister, Minister of Interior official in the UAE, is actually running for the, the presidency of Interpol, so the word police organization. And this is very concerning because obviously, you know, Interpol like plays plays an important role in the world and um the UAE and Mr. Al-Raisi like, should not be in a position to head an organization like that. Um, just to give a few examples, 
a few examples, Interpol is supposed to combat cybercrime. Well, the UAE are known to be extensively resorting to spyware to spy on dissidents, as was shown recently uh, in the summer with the, the Pegasus scandal or um, Interpol is supposed to help, you know, coordinate the fight against terrorism, actual terrorism in the world. And then as we discussed, we see that actually the UAE um, are considering that peaceful dissent is a form of terrorism. So it's all in all, it's just really absurd to have someone like that head an organization like Interpol. But also what is even more concerning is that actually um, Al-Raisi, who is running for, for president, actually has three complaints uh, currently pending against him for acts of torture, two in France and one in the UK. And it's quite shocking to say the least that, you know, someone who is, yeah, someone who just has like torture complaints against him can just claim or pretend to be the next president of, of Interpol. So this is something that that we and others are trying to work on to actually um, denounce this and, 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 and push for, I mean, at least show that he's unfit um, to preside Interpol. And if that, if that ends up being the case, like it's the consequences are actually quite, quite scary um, because yeah, you would think like, what is next? Are they are they going to bring uh, are they going to bring Pegasus to to Interpol or what's going to happen? So yeah, it's uh, it's concerning and that's why we're we're taking action. As we can see, many good campaigns and actions have been done so far by NGOs in the case of the UAE. But what do you think is missing, and what else can be done? Um. I think on on the part of of civil society, what is what is missing is just more capacity to do more, which you know is is the never ending problem uh, of civil society organizations, and and we do what we can with the limited resources we we have, but I think in the case of the UAE, what's missing is actually more action from like let's say more powerful actors so third countries um you know condemning the UAE's human rights record or um making let's say more human rights demands in the context of economic like financial agreements etc like yeah we we could definitely do more but the power if you say of of civil society is also limited in the sense that we do what we can to raise awareness, to shed light on that. But, um, you know, we're not the US or the UK or the French government or, you know, people um, signing like arm trades deal with the UAE. And I believe that those are the ones with, uh, with, let's say, more power or more influence. And I would definitely like to see more more actions and more, more political courage from those. How do you think, is the international community doing enough to promote human rights in the UAE? Um, there's been some positive steps. Um, I'm thinking recently of the EU Parliament a resolution that was passed on the UAE, which was really like a, a landmark resolution tackling um, several different issues uh, ranging from, well, the Dubai Expo, but issues of freedom of expression, 
torture, etc., in the UAE. And it was it, it's a very, very strong and courageous um text. So I believe it's like it's a it's it's a first, um, not a first, but it's it's a great um recent step. But what we need to see more is 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 less political support or more bargaining, as I was saying. Um, I'm thinking, for example, of the the arms trade. You know that several um, European countries have with the UAE. Um, you know that are also active in the in the Yemen war, etc. Like these these are just areas where this is completely unacceptable, and we need to see stronger statements and and the end of those um arm tra- arm, arm um contracts so that's definitely one one area um i also can't really avoid talking about the fact that the uae are now again uh, a member um, of the human rights council so yeah you know we it's it's quite disappointing to see that a country that has such a poor human rights record is actually um, elected at the Human Rights Council. Again, not that the Human Rights Council is only composed of human rights abiding countries, far, far, far from that. But yes, we would like to just see more more condemning, uh, more urging of the UAE to comply with human rights standards. And, uh, And there is very little of it. And it just from a civil society perspective, it feels like they have a lot of support and that it's uh, they're sort of um, a really big kind of monster to go after. Now, I would like to talk about the UAE PR campaigns. We all know that the Emirati authorities are pretty good at whitewashing be it through different sports events like F1, through trade expositions like Dubai Expo 2020, or through action-packed Hollywood-style movies about Dubai with a few famous actors. The Western influencers and celebrities who attend these kind of events without mentioning human rights abuses, but promoting Dubai or Abu Dhabi as tourist destinations, they somehow whitewash the image of the Emirati government. Do you think all those celebrities have any idea about the deplorable human rights record in the UAE? Or do they prefer to put aside those issues? Um, it's hard to answer because I'm obviously not them. So I can't tell you for sure that they know or they don't know about the UAE's human rights record. but to be quite frank and in the context of, you know, UAE campaigns or campaigns on Saudi Arabia, like I do feel like it's, we see more disappointment uh, than successes because it's, it's quite rare to actually see celebrities kind of pull out or cancel a trip or cancel a concert or an art um, expo or whatever. So it really makes you wonder, like, what do they really not know? Or do they choose to ignore this for um, financial reasons? Because obviously, when you when you go and, I don't know, have a concert in the UAE, like you also get a big check. Um, Same goes for celebrities, you know, promoting certain like tourist destinations. So maybe we just maybe they just I don't know, have different moral 
standards and maybe they care more about uh, about other things, which is a shame because they actually have more power than they than they think. And just to give an example, um, for example, in the in the context of the Dakar rally, uh, which was held in in Saudi already two years in um, in a row, there were several NGOs that actually appealed to some of the um, Dakar rally drivers, saying like, you know, you're driving, and some women's rights defenders are in prison because they demanded the right to drive, etc. And there were some responses from the from the drivers who actually said like, yeah, but I'm just here for sports. But it's so easy to just be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just there for, I'm just there because I'm I'm a singer or I'm I'm just there because I'm a sports player. Like I think they really try to sort of yeah make up excuses for not caring about these issues. Um, but at the end of the day, we should all care about those. How do you think, what can be done to stop these celebrities from turning a blind eye to human rights abuses, not only in the UAE, but in other countries as well? Because I believe it's very important that they start raising awareness of these issues, since they have a profound power to influence worldwide opinion on social issues. Um, I mean, continue, you know, the, the awareness raising that um, that civil society is already doing, of course. Um, But to be honest, I think they just need to be named and shamed because, you know, it's, 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 it's not acceptable. And they, yeah, as I was saying earlier, like, I feel like it's too easy for them to kind of dismiss that aspect and be like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I don't have anything to do with that. I'm, I'm not into politics. Like, yes, but they, they also have a huge platform And they have a role, whether they want it or not. And that is why they are being used by the UAE is because they they have that, let's say, soft um, kind of soft slash influence um, power. And that's why they're being used. So if they know or if they're made aware that they're being used because of that, then it also means that they have a responsibility in actually saying, well, I don't want to be part of it. Because at the end of the day, they are also a bit complicit in the white, the white um, washing campaign, and they have a moral responsibility to say no to those events or to go and, and denounce or to go and support human rights defenders or whatever. And we should be seeing more, more courage um, from them. Use your platform and your visibility to speak up for those who can't. And my last question to you, Ines, how do you see the human rights situation in the UAE in the next 10 years? That yeah. is a very hard question, but I like to say that nothing is ever predictable. And, uh, you know, just like we could not predict the Arab Spring, just like we could not predict how it would be more or less successful in certain places. Like, I don't think we really know what the future holds and, um, you know, unexpected changes can always happen. And I feel like this is why we need to continue fighting and, and not lose hope, despite the fact that we can clearly see that over the last decade, like the situation has only worsened in the UAE, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be the case in the next decade. And um, I always try to um, stay hopeful and, uh, and keep up the fight. 
It's been a pleasure to interview you. And on behalf of ACGTR, thank you, Ines, for speaking with us today. Thank you. On behalf of ACDGR, thank you for joining us and for listening to our podcasts. The next episode will be available next Friday. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to our social media channels if you want to learn more about the human rights situation in the GCC countries. Thank you.